Hello and welcome to the Mythological Africans podcast, where we read and talk about stories from African mythology and folklore. I am your host, Helen Day. Welcome to week three of our exploration of the LibriVox archive of African folktales. If you don't know what LibriVox is, well, it is a project dedicated to recording public domain texts and creating free audiobooks for download and use. LibriVox is run completely by volunteers from around the world, and so if you have time, please consider signing up. You'll find links to the website in the episode notes. Today, we are going off to Zanzibar. And we'll be hearing two stories from George Bateman's Zanzibar Tales told by natives of the East Coast of Africa, which was published in 1901. Now, the language in the book can be a bit cringe, given the time when it was written, but the stories are some of the most entertaining I've come across in African folklore. And this might have something to do with the place where they come from, the island of Zanzibar itself. As some of you may know, Zanzibar is an island on the Eastern African coast, and it is part of the Tanzanian National Territory. But Zanzibar might as well be a nation of its own because it's very unique. It merges indigenous African culture with Arab, Indian, Portuguese, and British culture. And these are all people who either through colonization or trade have had an impact on what goes on on the island. And so this is reflected in the island's folklore. There are evil magicians and snake kings and eccentric teachers and wily rabbits and other such animals. So the two stories we'll listen to today are animal tales. We have the hare and the lion and the lion, the hyena and the rabbit. So there are no human characters in this story, so no major human characters. But you should definitely check the book out because it has some truly unforgettable stories. Some of my favorite honestly. And so if you can't get enough of Zanzibar folklore, check the episode notes for links to a previous episode on the topic which we recorded during one of the MA live storytelling discussions we used to have. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoyed this episode and let me know what you think in the comments. Chapter 3 of Zanzibar Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Candace Stellick, Dallas, Texas. Zanzibar Tales by George W. Bateman, Chapter 3. The Lion, the Hyena, and the Rabbit. Once upon a time, Simba, the Lion, Fisi, the Hyena, and Kititi, the Rabbit, made up their minds to go in for a little farming. So they went into the country, made a garden, planted all kinds of seeds, and then came home and rested quite a while. Then, when they came when their crops should be about ripe and ready for harvesting, they began to say to each other, Let's go over to the farm and see how our crops are coming along. So one morning early they started and as the garden was a long way off, Kititi, the rabbit, 
made this proposition. While we are going to the farm, let us not stop on the road. And if anyone does stop, let him be eaten, his companions not being so cunning as he, and knowing that they could outwalk him, readily consented to this arrangement. Well, off they went, but they had not gone very far when the rabbit stopped. Hello, said Feesy, the hyena. Katiti had stopped. He must be eaten. That's the bargain, agreed Simba, the lion. Well, said the rabbit, I happen to be thinking. What about? cried his partners with great curiosity. I'm thinking, said he, with a grave philosophical air, about those two stones, one big and one little. The little one does not go up, nor does the big one go down. The lion and the hyena, having stopped to look at the stones, could only say, Why, really, it's singular, but it's just as you say. And they all resumed their journey, the rabbit being by this time well rested. When they had gone some distance, the rabbit stopped again. Aha, said Feesy. Katiti has stopped again. Now he must be eaten. I rather think so, assented Simba. Well, said the rabbit, I was thinking again. Their curiosity once more aroused. His comrades begged him to tell them his think. Why, said he, I was thinking this. When people like us put on new coats, where do the old ones go? Both Simba and Feesy having stopped a moment to consider the matter, exclaimed together, Well, I wonder. And the three went on, the rabbit having again had a good rest. After a little while, the hyena, thinking it about time to show off a little of his philosophy, suddenly stopped. Here, growled Simba, this won't do. I guess we'll have to eat you, Feesy. Oh, no, said the hyena. I'm thinking. What are you thinking about? They inquired. I'm thinking about nothing at all, said he, imagining himself very smart and witty. Off, Shah, cried Katiti. We won't be fooled that way. So he and Simba ate the hyena. When they had finished eating their friend, the lion and the rabbit proceeded on their way and presently came to a place where there was a cave. And here the rabbit stopped. Hmm, ejaculated Simba. I'm not so hungry as I was this morning, but I guess I'll have to find room for you, little Katiti. Oh, I believe not, replied Katiti. I'm thinking again. Well, said the lion, what is it this time? said the rabbit. I'm thinking about that cave. In olden times, our ancestors used to go in here and go out there, and I think I'll try to follow their footsteps. So he went in at one end and out the other end several times. Then he said to the lion, Simba, old fellow, let's see you try to do that. And the lion went into the cave, but he stuck fast and could neither go forward nor back out. In a moment, Katiti was on Simba's back and began eating him. After a little time, the lion cried, Oh, brother, be impartial. 
come and eat some of the front part of me. But the rabbit replied, Indeed, I can't come around in front. I'm ashamed to look you in the face. So having eaten all he was able to, he left the lion there, and he went and became sole owner of the farm and its crops. End of section three. Recording by Candace Stelic, Dallas, Texas. Chapter four of Zanzibar Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Candace Stelic, Dallas, Texas. Zanzibar Tales by George W. Bateman. Chapter four The Kites and the Crows. One day, Konguru, Sultan of the Crows, sent a letter to Mwewe, Sultan of the Kites, containing these few words. I want you folks to be my soldiers. To this brief message, Mwewe at once wrote this short reply. I should say not. Thereupon, thinking to scare Mwewe, the Sultan of the Crows sent him word. If you refuse to obey me, I'll make war upon you. To which the Sultan of the Kites replied, That suits me. Let us fight. And if you beat us, we will obey you. But if we are victors, you shall be our servants. So they gathered their forces and engaged in great battle. And in a little while, it became evident that the crows were being badly beaten as it appeared certain that, if something were not done pretty quickly, they would all be killed. One old crow named Geosi suddenly proposed that they should fly away. Directly the suggestion was made, it was acted upon, and the crows left their homes and flew far away, where they set up another town. So, when the kites entered the place, they found no one there and they took up their residence in Crowtown. One day, when the crows had gathered in council, Kongoru stood up and said, My people, do as I command you, and all will be well. Pluck out some of my feathers and throw me into the town of kites, then come back and stay here until you hear from me. Without argument or questioning, the crows obeyed their sultan's command. Konguru had lain in the street but a short time, when some passing kites saw him and inquired threateningly, What are you doing here in our town? With many a moan he replied, My companions have beaten me and turned me out of their town because I advised them to obey Mwewe, sultan of the kites. When they heard this, they picked up and took him before the sultan, to whom they said, We found this fellow lying in the street, and he attributes his involuntary presence in our town to so singular a circumstance that we thought you should hear his story. Konguru was then bidden to repeat his statement, which he did, adding the remark that much as he had suffered he still held to his opinion that mwewe was his rightful sultan 
This, of course, made a very favorable impression, and the sultan said, You have more sense than all the rest of your tribe put together. I guess you can stay here and live with us. So Konguru, expressing much gratitude, settled down, apparently, to spend the remainder of his life with the kites. One day his neighbors took him to church with them, and when they returned home they asked him, Who have the best kind of a religion, the kites or the crows? To which crafty old Konguru replied, with great enthusiasm, Oh, the kites, by long odds! This answer tickled the kites like anything, and Kongrua was looked upon as a bird of remarkable discernment. When almost another week had passed, the sultan of the crows slipped away in the night, went to his own town, and called his people together. Tomorrow, said he, is the great annual religious festival of the kites, and they will all go to church in the morning. Go now and get some wood and some fire and wait near their town till I call you. Then come quickly and set fire to the church. Then he hurried back to Mewewe's town. The crows were very busy indeed all that night, and by dawn they had an abundance of wood and fire at hand and were lying in wait near the town of their victorious enemies. So in the morning every kite went to church. There was not one person left at home except old Kunguru. When his neighbors called for him, they found him lying down. Why? they exclaimed with surprise. Are you not going to church today? Oh, said he, I wish I could, but my stomach aches so badly I can't move. And he groaned dreadfully. Oh, poor fellow, said they. You will be better in bed. And they left him to himself. As soon as everybody was out of sight, he flew swiftly to his soldiers and cried, Come on, they're all in the church. And they all crept quickly but quietly to the church, and while some piled wood about the door, others applied fire. The wood caught readily, and the fire was burning fiercely before the kites were aware of their danger. But when the church began to fill with smoke, the tongues of flame shot through the cracks. They tried to escape through the windows. The greater part of them, however, were suffocated, or having their wings singed, and so were burned to death among them their sultan, Maiwe, and Kongaroo, and his crows got their old town back again. From that day to this, the kites fly away from the crows. End of chapter 4 the Kites and the Crows. Recording by Candace Stalick, Dallas, Texas.